Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Okay, hi. I am uh, talking to um, Prem Chandran, who is the founder of Malaysia Kini. Uh, co-founder. Of, co-founder of Malaysia Kini. Okay. So thank you for speaking with us sure. today. Uh, by the way, so just like um, wanted to talk to you on how you started uh, Malaysia Kini and the, I mean one of the most read website with one million Twitter followers and uh, heaps of readers on a daily basis. So tell us the story, like from the backstory, from how it started. Sure. Um, what was interesting uh, in nineteen ninety nine, there were three factors, right? One was that. Um, you know, the mainstream media in Malaysia was really not doing a good job covering political news. Most of the media were aligned or in a way controlled by the government of the day. And what happened was in 98, you had Anwar Ibrahim being arrested. It was very clear, a lot of people were, were stunned that, you know, the deputy prime minister could be arrested, could be, uh, you know, uh, uh, hit violently in, in jail and put behind bars. Um, and really, they really saw the mainstream media not really doing a very good job. Um, so it's very clearly an opportunity to do better political news. That was one. Secondly, um, at that time, Mahathir had already um, created what they call the multimedia super corridor, uh, and part of that was a uh, was a bill of guarantees. And part of the bill of guarantees was that the internet would not be censored. So unlike newspapers and television stations, you, you did not need a license to publish online. Um, you know, so so I think those were the two key factors. And what we were betting on was that the internet would grow and become big. Of course, in 1999 was a time where you didn't have any social media, you didn't have handphones, you know. Uh, the online audience was still very small then, but we, we thought it would actually grow big. So that's why we decided to set up a, a, a news website which focused on um, current affairs and political news. Um, but we made sure that, unlike other websites which are blogs and anonymous, we put our names behind it. Everybody knew um, myself, Stephen. Uh, and the other writers who were, who were writing for Malaysia Kini. And we believe that, you know, writing good content, good current affairs content would get us a large audience. And it proved to be true. We grew very fast. Um, and, and yes, I did really well. Uh, the big challenge was actually the business model. Uh, we tried advertising in the big beginning. Um, very quickly, advertisers came on board, but also got scared of. We were, were seen to be too political, too controversial. Um, so advertisers wanted to play safe and wanted to put ads on, you know, on safer sites. So we knew that the, you know, we quickly found out that the advertising model won't work for us, given where we're coming from. So we pivoted after three years, and we launched subscription in 2002. Uh, so that was the pivotal moment. It was very hard to run a subscription and paid site, especially in times where people could not use credit cards to pay online. There's no proper online payment system. There's no online banking. These were the very, very early days of the, of the internet. Um, well, it took us about 10 years to build it, but over time we developed a very lo- loyal audience who was willing to pay, uh, and that's how we survived. So it started just you and Stephen. So how about the money? Like, where did you get the funds to start? And also to convince people to write for you guys on a full-time basis. Yeah, so we managed to raise about 100,000 US dollars. Actually, firstly, we raised about, uh, about 30,000 ringgit from friends. And our, what we tried to do first was we bought over a cyber cafe. Because at that time, even to have a computer was too expensive. Uh, to have an internet line was very expensive. So we thought, look, you know, cyber cafe is a good infrastructure because it has computers and internet. And we bought over a cyber cafe in SS2, uh, PJ. 
uh, and we started to uh, think about running Malaysian Kiddies from then. But we didn't manage the business well, uh, and I was running business, and that was my first big failure. After three months, I had to sell the cyber cafe because we were losing money. It taught me a lot of lessons in business that if you want to run a business, you've got to be serious about it, and you've got to be hands-on, and you've got to know what you're doing. Uh, so very quickly, I understood um, you know, that, that, that it's a serious business. But we managed to raise about 100,000 US dollars from friends, from, uh, from grants, uh, including from the Southeast Asia Press Alliance, um, and we used that to start. Uh, in the beginning, it was very hard to get people from the mainstream media to come write for us. So although a lot of people said yes, and they were not happy at NST, and not happy in the star, too much of censorship, when we actually asked them to join Malaysia Kini, they, they dared not. It's too difficult, too challenging. Obviously, we didn't pay as well. Um, so we ended up hiring uh, novices, new, new people who had just graduated. We uh, had three uh, 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 journalists who joined us. Um, and we built a team, we started off with about six people. We ended up the, the end of the first year with about 18 people and then we grew. Now we have about 110, 120 people. Okay, so alrighty. And then also um, the, the fact that you guys were very different out of the box, not conforming to the Malaysian standards, the government of writing safe pieces. Because you, um, and you had a lot of DOS attacks, uh, police coming to your office, falsificating your... I think computers, there were no laptops then. And after that, a lot of like, you know, disruption in the workflow. So how did you mitigate that? Because I don't think any business plan can actually uh, prepare you for all this, like, you know, this kind of, uh, I can label it as nuisance from time to time, you know, especially during the early days when everybody was like, not sure what you guys were doing and it came out as very controversial. You know? So how did you like weather through that? Actually, we planned for it. Oh, you did? Yeah. We, we, we knew, obviously, that if we were doing our job, we would not uh, be left untouched by the authorities. So we, we said that either we do a bad job and the authorities don't care about us, or we do a good job and we would have to leave with the police and everything else. So we were, we were pretty much prepared for, for that. Um, we have got good systems to deal with uh, loss attacks and DDoS attacks. Uh, you know, uh, actually our site did not really go down very much. Although there were a lot of attacks, um, we were able to navigate these attacks really well. Um, and, and the core strategy we believed in is that uh, we have to mean something to our readers and supporters. And if we do, we believe that the, our readers and supporters would rally around us. So unlike a, a, a consumer side that, okay, I, I use this, you buy that. No, we're not that. We're part like a, almost like a mission. Like people share that mission, that cause. Uh, you know when you want to like fight for the environment or fight for justice, you are you are part of that, and that's what we made our lives. They are part of us, and so that if, for example, when the, when people came and took our police came and took our computers, we had so many people giving us computers, their own computers. Here, take my computer, because they wanted they wanted us to survive. So what was really important in our business model is building allies and making sure our readers were also our supporters, not just our readers. So, did you have a lawyer on file? Like, <laughs> no, you, we have we had many lawyers. You had many lawyers, but they were doing pro bono work yeah. for you. Oh, okay, that's good. Okay, and then after that, uh, the business side of things. Like, when did you start making money? Like, um, how did we you get a, your name out there? We we, we made we started making uh, money when we launched our first year itself to advertising, but then that dipped as I mentioned uh, because we're too uh, we seem to be too political. Um, and then we launched our subscription website in two thousand two. 
But we still first turned, uh, uh, it actually took about three years, about like 2005 we were doing pretty okay. And then in 2008, the election in 2008 was very, um, very important because if you, if you remember, um, five states went to the opposition, Kedah, Penang, uh, Para, Selangor, and uh, Negeri Sembilan. Right? For the first time, the opposition won big. At that time, Badawi was the Prime Minister. And he said that, look, you know, why did they lose? It was because of the internet. Because they didn't realize the power of people for reading the internet. And you can see the West Coast was much more uh, internet-based than others. Um, so after 2008, we actually became the most popular site in the country. We beat the star, uh, which used to be number one in 2008. And, um, you know, we had lots of subscribers. Um, we had Chinese, we had Malay. We were the only uh, media in the country we published in four languages. So we grew very, very fast. So I think our first profitable year was 2008. 2008. Nine years. Nine years. Holy Christ. So before that, it was just, uh, you used the money from your funders. We did many things. We, you know, we did the SMS, we published books, we did events. We did whatever it took to break even. After nine years, we broke even. Okay, so what is the, now you've already like uh, sort of like uh, slowed down, you and Steven, the original founders have slowed down and now you're doing your own thing but you're still like co-founder of the thing and you do the oversight, I presume you do the oversight of the site, right? So how is the site now? Is it as spicy as it was those days or it's just chilled, mellowed and how do, how do you describe it now? Well, we, we have retired from day-to-day duties. We uh, both you and I are on the board of directors. So as directors, we, um, we review the overall strategy plans of the management, uh, the business plan, but we let the management run and call the shots. So it's really up to the management, the editors of uh, today, to decide you know, what is to be done. Uh, we don't want to be directors who uh, are too involved. We want to actually be you know, one step involved. But what, uh, so how is the, the publication now? Like, is it still like the same core, the way the... I don't think Malaysia Guinea has changed very much. I think we still, our job, we see our mission as publishing very uh, fairly balanced on current affairs, on political news of the country. So I don't think our mission has changed. Um, you know, we, the, the, the media landscape has changed. When we launched, we were practically the only source of independent news. Today, there are many, many websites doing news. So it's become, you know, what they call from a blue ocean, it's become a red ocean. Uh, even, uh, you know, uh, whether it's Star, NST, everybody's publishing much better news than they did uh, 20 years ago. So I think one, the, the industry has, has shifted a lot. Secondly, you know, uh, uh, the people who aligned with us in the early days, in a way, they were clear demand. They wanted a change of government. They wanted democracy. They wanted, uh, you know, they don't want an ISA. You know, they wanted more freedom. Um, and in many, many ways, those things have been won. ISA has been done away with, uh, we have much more free and fair elections. Uh, you know, they used, they wanted a demand to have the, the ink the, on the pen, that was done. So many of the reforms that were voiced by Malaysia Kini and, and, and fought for by our readers have come to pass. So today, we can be happy or not happy, we don't like some policies or whatever it is, but in a way, there has been, you know, the first change has happened in Malaysia. Uh, uh, so, so, so I can say both the industry has changed as well as the political environment has changed. So Malaysia Kini, although it remains, the mission remains the same, the context of Malaysia Kini has changed dramatically. 
But now I see you have like a do you do climate reporting and business reporting? It wasn't the case those days. I think that you did. We've done climate reporting. We've done business reporting since day one. Since day one, okay, okay. So, but what is um is there going to be a splinter brand like or do you going to stick as it is and just keep growing the readership? What's the plan? It's up to the management. It's not. It's not. It's not our call. It's not your call. Okay. Uh, okay. I'm retired. Yeah, I know. Okay. Um, I can relax. <laughs> what did I ask you? For somebody who wants to start, there's a lot of people starting new site in mm. Malaysia because it's quite, you know, the barrier of entry is quite easy. Mm. But, you know, sustaining it is another question. So, what is your advice for those who are starting up and uh, basically anything that you can dish? Well, like you said, the barriers of entry are very low, right? So, anybody can start a website. So, what makes you different from everybody else who's starting a website? So that's first of all what makes it different. Secondly, of all, you know, just like how newspapers died and people migrated to to websites or online news. Today, a lot of websites are dying and people are migrating to social media. Right, younger people like my kids, they don't go, they don't even read Malaysia Kitty. They, they go to Instagram, they go to TikTok, you know, they go to whatever you know, Twitter. But I have to stop you there. There's no verification when people who are influencers who push news. They're not like journalists that train to find out and see, you know, whether it's fake or real. You know, when, when we started a website, newspapers said the same thing, right? Oh, we are newspapers, we are licensed, we are regulated. Who are these websites? They have no licenses. Oh, you can't believe that, right? But how many people read newspapers today? Yeah, that's true. So same thing, right? It's, it's, you, you can complain about social media and say, oh, it's an influencer, it's not verified. But, you know, do younger people care? They, they like their influences, they like people who they believe in. Right? Uh, and, you know, this is like you may like a brand like a, you know, NST or Guardian or Sydney Morning Herald or whatever you read, right? But younger people don't care about it, they like their influences. For them, the influences are the brand. Okay, so they do actually take anything they say in gospel. I don't, think, I don't think they, they, they do that. I think they definitely look at other websites and content. But, they have a different way of consuming the news, right? So our idea of a story, of writing, of checking, is not something which uh, transcends generations all the time. So they have, for the moment, many of them listen to podcasts. Mm. So, you know, they have different news habits. So, you know, again, news habits have changed. For example, many years ago, people would watch ATM news. Every 8 o'clock, watch the news, right? People don't do that anymore. Right? They want to watch news, they watch news anytime. They used to be morning, buy the newspaper, sit down, coffee, read the newspaper. They don't do that anymore. So news habits have changed. There's no right and wrong. The question is that if you're a media organization, you need to understand where, you know, who's your audience and how do I address that audience in terms of their media habits. Obviously, if you're, if you're for example, writing to an older generation, then you write in a way that works for the older generation. Right? Works for them so, so what I'm trying to say is that just how newspapers have gone out of fashion, today news websites are going out of fashion, even Malaysia King. So, yes, you have, so you have to think ahead. Don't get caught. With, don't get caught with the history. Think forward. So what are you doing, Malaysia King? The management is supposed to decide. Yeah, ask the management. <laughs> okay. I've, I've retired. I'm repeating. Okay, okay. <laughs> I just want to ask you, most of the publications in Malaysia, right, they have a stance, either left or right wing. So NSD we know is a government thing, and uh, what are you guys? I don't think it's a it's a, it's a left or right or government thing. I think, for example, NSD the owners uh, of NSD were closely aligned with the government. The owners for the Star were MCA, and MCA was aligned with Barisan National, right? 
So, so it's a question of ownership and who are the owners behind it. Myself and Stephen, who are the majority owners of Michigan, are not part of any political party. Right? We're not part of a party. Our idea is you know, we, we come from an activist, a democratic activist background. So we believe in democracy, we believe in human rights, we believe in justice. So that's, that's our stance. How do we ensure that there's a justice for people? How do we ensure there's equality? How do we ensure there's fairness, there's freedom, there's elections are valid? That, that's where we come from. So that's our mission. It's not about supporting one party or another, about being left and right. right? It's about values that we believe in. Okay. So basically, one, one, uh, one uh, advice for people wanting to start. Because mm. when you started, you, you told me you had a business plan. You and Steven had a really solid business plan. You the money guy. He's the content guy, and that's how you guys work, right? And then anything else that you've missed out? So it, it's always good to start in a partnership, not alone? It's best to start with two or three people. Mm-hmm. It's hard to, to start alone. Mm-hmm. It's lonely, mm-hmm. and one person, uh, you tend to have, you tend to be good at certain things, you tend to be bad at other things, mm-hmm. right? So you, you, some people are very good writers or very good video producers, right? They may not be good business people, right? So, so it's good to, business people are, are not very good writers or it's important to have a, a team, two or three people that can cover the key areas of what you want to do. Right? That, I think that, that's a very important lesson, right? One person can't do everything. That's very important. Secondly is that, you know, if it's a very, if it's what they call a red ocean, there's so many players out there, you need to do something which is, which is different. Well, obviously, you're doing something which nobody else is doing. You're, 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 you're building something which nobody else can do. Then that's fine. You, you can occupy that position. But really, content today is a red ocean. There's billions and billions of content being posted every single minute. Right? Everybody's posting content, whether it's on uh, TikTok or, or Instagram. Everybody's a content producer. Right? So why? what makes us different? So they have to think. Anyone who wants to start a website, they have to think a niche. Is that what you're saying? To a, a... First of all, you don't even have to start a website. Mm. Right? There's so many platforms that you can start on. Secondly, yeah. What's your niche? Who's your audience? Why are you... What problem are you solving? What... what you know? So, for example, when we ask Malaysia Kini, we, you know, when things were going badly after two, three years, we ask like, okay, if Malaysia Kini dies tomorrow, mm-hmm. who will be sad? Who will miss us? Who will say, oh, I really miss Malaysia Kini, right? And we thought it will be our readers, our supporters, right? So, we said, okay, if we have so many supporters out there who are really going to miss Malaysia Kini, can we ask them to pay? Will they pay for us, right? And we said... Well, if they're not willing to pay for us, then why do we exist? Right? If they don't really want us so much that they're willing to pay for us, then maybe we are not relevant to them. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. So then we say, okay, let's go. Let's see. Let's see whether we're doing a, such a good job that people really want us and willing to pay. Right? And you'd be amazed the number of people who paid. And people were, you know, again, they were walking into an office with cash and check because there was no online payment, right? We were willing to come down to Bangsa, come up to office and pay cash. Right? And when we switched from, from we had a one year subscription and then there were so many people wanting a longer subscription. So it's okay, let's, let's do three years. So we said, who would pay three years for content, right? You'd be amazed the number of people who said were happy to come to office and pay us for three years of content ahead of time. So that's why. So he said, I will get us things, our supporters, right? So that's our assets. So my, my, my lesson is that if you want to do something in a crowded field, make sure you have a good niche. Okay, okay, okay. 
make sure you have a good food. And make sure you're like, you know, you, you really like, Damn good at it. So, for example, you're, you're a Malaysian in Australia, right? And there are like two, three hundred thousand Malaysians in Australia, right? If you set up a, a site just for Malaysians in Australia, and a hundred thousand of them need you, like nobody's business, right? Just love your site because there are Malaysians living in Australia, right? You will succeed. But they have to love you. They have to really like you and love you, and they want to champion you and say you are the best thing that happened to Malaysians in Australia. You will survive. But if you like, don't care lah, whatever lah, you won't survive. Okay. So you got to build fans and supporters. And then that will make you survive. Okay.